Okay, morning everyone. So today is, um, is Nikki's Yotzat for her mom. So, Hindel Bas Yisrael. So we will give the shir in her schus. Please God, her Leah should have a neshama. I mean, her neshama should have an aliyah. And uh, it's all part of the, uh, it's all part of the, um, the Adar field. Uh, that's I made a mistake. Okay, what I want to do is that since we are in Adar, if you don't mind, I'm going to deviate and not do Kohelet for the next two weeks, if that's okay, for the simple reason that we don't do enough Megillah. You all know the Megillah. If I ask you the story, you could tell me the story, and it's all very nice. But uh, I want to go in a bit of depth into the Megillah, because um, it's good to do, and uh, we can look at the Megillah in a different way, possibly, and uh, just, even if it's just understanding the stories, a little bit different. So what I'd like you please to do is go to chapter 4, of Megillat Esther, which is on page 1255. Okay. This is after, uh, there's so much in the Megillah. There's just so, so much. Um, So I just want to look at at the one thing today. Um, Well, one or two things today, and then we'll see where we get. So this is at the point where this terrible decree has already been signed and sealed and sent throughout the kingdom. It says, Mordechai um, heard about everything that had been done. Mordechai tore his clothes. And he, um, and he wore, he put on sackcloth. And he cried out a great and bitter cry. Now that great and bitter cry, by the way, is not the first time that that happens. Does anybody know where the first time that big, great, and bitter cry happens? So if you will go to Parsha Toldot. You will see um, that Pasha told that on, which is Bereshit 27. So it's 27th, uh, chapter 2734 in the article page 139. I don't know how. I don't know how. It is. It, it, it's like a, a difficult thing. Let me see if I can. Hold on. So if you look, guys, come back to me. You know, in class, I throw whiteboard markers. Jolene. <laughs> you don't get chalk anymore. Okay. Okay. No, no, no. okay, let's go. Okay, so it says, so says, says the Torah. It says the Torah. Um, chapter 27, verse 34, the following. That after yet after Esav had heard about what had happened, Kishma when he heard that his father had um, given the bracha to Yaakov, it says, 
Tsaaka Gedola Umara. Now, although the one is Vayizak is in the Megillah, yeah, it's Vayizak, it's the same word. Is that that Asad, when he hears about this terrible thing that Yaakov did in deceiving, in inverted commas, his father, he cried out this great and bitter cry. Chazal tell us that the pain that Asa felt is the cause of the pain <coughs> that Mordechai felt. So somehow the, um, there is a correlation between the fact that, that Asa is deceived and the Jewish people are about to be destroyed. What's the correlation? Whose child is... Um, well, where does Haman come from? Amalek. From Amalek. And whose child is Amalek? Ultimately, the child of Asa. So you can see that very deep in the DNA of, of Amalek is the this great bitter cry that their great-great-great-grandfather felt when Yaakov deceived them. You, know, you have to look back. You have to see that there's something going on in this whole production of the Torah that is that, that, that there's a, there are many refrains that happen um, in the, you know, we say that what happened to the forefathers is a symbol for the children. Normally we say that about Avraham, Isaac and Yaakov, but it's not only that. It's about all these, all the characters that we learn about in Chumash set examples for what's going to happen in the future for everything. So we got to, that's, why, that's why you find there's traces to different like nations and different people all the way through the Chumash because we need to realize that sometime in history that is going to kind of present itself. Okay, so carry on. The, um, so, so Mordechai has this terrible cry. And he comes up to the gate of the king because you can't go all the way through. Dressed in, you've got to be dressed appropriately. Wherever, there were, wherever people heard about the news, the Jews were terribly sad and they were in mourning and uh, everybody was, uh, was in, in sackcloth. Now, it says, this is where we're going to start. Vatavona naarot ester vesarisea vayagidula. What happens is the, um, the, the, the women that were looking after Esther and all her the chamberlains came and they tell her what's going on. She wants to know what's happening. She's a very political animal. And she gets very distressed. It's not clear what happened. The Gemara described different things that may have happened to that, that with Mordechai. And she sends clothes that Mordechai can go get dressed like a mensch. He refused to accept it. And Esther calls Katach, who is one of the king's chamberlains, who is standing before and serving her, and she commands him about Mordechai to find out what is going on. Okay? To, to know what it is and what it is all about. So says the Gemara, tells us, who is this Hatach that he deserves to be mentioned in the Megillah? Because there is no way that you can just have someone mention the Megillah for all posterity and remember that Megillah Esther is the one safe that's going to last forever. Why does Hatach get a mention? Who is he? Anyone know? Um, 
verse 5. Who is Hatach? So Amarav, the Gemara says, Amarav, Hatach Zeh, come on, give a guess. Let's just set up where we are because we're in the history of Prasumadai, the history of Persia. Right? What has happened is that um, the, the family that was Neb- of Nebuchadnezzar has now been dethroned. Right? That who was Nebuchadnezzar's granddaughter was, um, was Vashti. She's dead. Um, Achashverosh is in charge. There's no more, there's no more uh, covered or anything given to the Nebuchadnezzar dynasty, to the Nebuchadnezzar people. So who is Hatach? Oh, that's interesting. Why Haman? Okay, it's a good answer. Okay. So Hatach. The the I I wrong with a good try. So the Gemara tells us Hatach is Daniel. Who is Daniel? So Daniel is a prophet. Daniel is the last of the prophets. One of the last of the Nevi'im. Right? One of the last Sephardim in um, in uh, in Tanakh. Daniel was the main guy of the dynasty of uh, Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. Huh? Yeah, with the lion. He was a major, unbelievable human being. So, a second. Yes, also, all around at that time. But this is Daniel. Daniel was, is an old, old man already. But Daniel just disappeared. We don't hear about him. Daniel was the man who read the, the writing on the wall. Daniel is the man who's like who's been responsible for, for major things happening in the, in the kingdom, and all of a sudden he disappears out of the palace, says the Gomorrah, this is Hatach. Wow, so why do you call Daniel Hatach? Because, because, um, cut him off from his greatness, and Shmuel Omar, and Shmuel says, Says because the whole whatever happened in the in the kingdom was defied, was decided by his mouth. In other words, even though he was now just the the chamberlain of Esther, it seems to be that still he held a certain position. Why is it so important that we need to know that Daniel is the person who's serving Esther? Say better than that. Say better than that. Because that's like saying, well, you know, Daniel deserved it. Can you see, you know, what are we, what's the issue in the Megillah? The one single problem with the Megillah is that Hashem's name does not exist in the Megillah. Right? Why does Hashem's name not exist in the Megillah? Because it's hidden. You have to find it. Which means that at every point in time that you can, you've got to find Hashem's name. When Esther went into the, into the palace, the one thing she didn't do is she didn't tell where she came from. Right? Nobody knew that she was Jewish. Nachon? So how does it work that Hatach, who is Daniel, becomes the person who serves Esther? Do you understand that? That's what the Gemara, that's what the Gemara is teaching us. Not so much about Daniel, but it's really teaching us more about how, how Kodesh Baruch has set this whole thing up. That Hatach, who is Daniel, is the one who is serving Esther. And now Esther has got a total insight on what's going on in the palace. And a total insight on what's going on with the Jewish people. And a connection into her people. That's fundamental. Can you imagine? How long was she in the palace for? How long is she there before she even gets a chance to become this wife of Achashverosh? A year. Imagine a young girl on her own with no connection to her people in any way, shape or form. What gives her the strength to be who she is? Daniel. 
Why Daniel? Why Dafka Daniel? Because the Gemara tells us that Daniel, it's an amazing guy, Daniel was a vegan. Do you know that? He, and, and it seems to be a raw vegan as well. Right? Because he only ate like nuts and seeds. And, and, and he checked his letters. And, right? Because he was in the, in the palace of the king and he didn't want to offend anybody. So he wouldn't eat the food. He just ate raw. He's been very thin and very healthy. And very good. Okay. Good. Let's go. That's what maybe why he lived as long as he did. Say again? Because he was the advisor of the king of Nebuchadnezzar. Of, 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 he was a powerful human being. Why do they want Jews as their advisor? They always want Jews as their advisor. Everyone wants Jews as their advisor. If you look all the way through history, there's always, in everyone, in everywhere, there's always Jews at the, at the big machas. Spain had the Jews, and then they kicked them out. You know, it's like, um, it's always. Why do they want us? Because Paro also recognized that in you. It's always part of Jewish history. That's what we said earlier. Okay. So what happened is, so she sends, so, so he goes out and he tells him, he tells him everything that happened. And the whole story, the whole story keeps going. He tells him every single thing that happens. And then it says, um, I'm on verse number, number 9. Chatach comes and tells Esther what Mordechai said. And then Esther says to Chatach to go back to Mordechai. Because Mordechai told her to go and speak to the king. So, Absolutely. Without a doubt. This is a whole little story going on here. That's the inner story. No, because they're bagels. Not bagling. Bagling is like when you see a person and you, think, and you know that they're Jewish. And you walk past and loudly you say, you know, like, I'm going to show them. No, that he knew, for sure. He knew. For sure he knew. Okay? Um... And uh, so, so Esther told Hatach to go back to Mordechai with the message that um, she can't go in front of the king. Why can't she go in front of the king? Because you can't just go in front without the king telling you what to do. And it's right. And, he, and then she says, and I'll just read the English, now I have not been summoned to come to the king for the past 30 days. So the king's not interested in her, it would seem, for the moment. Now, is that good news or bad news? Bad news, right? Now, look what it says here. Who did Esther send? Hatach. Right? Look at the next word. Verse number 12. You've got to read the Hebrew. Vayagidu Mordechai. And they told Mordechai et divrei Esther, the words of Esther. Who told Mordechai the words of Esther? Didn't she send Hatach? So who's they? Hatach and his Hevra, right? So the Gemara says, and we're going to learn a very important thing here. The Gemara says... He did not go. Hatach refused to go. Hatach would not go to Mordechai to tell him the bad news. Why? From here we learn, you do not go and tell bad news. Number one. That's one way of understanding it. But there's something much better than this. Now I'm not going on a spiel. I just want to tell you. 
Ein meshivin ala kalkala means, you, what, what's the problem? She said, we can't go because the king will not, will not see me. Right? That's not the way things are done. There's a system and the system is broken. It can't work. Right? I don't know what to do. He hasn't called me for 30 days. He refuses to go. Why does he refuse to go? Because he doesn't want to give bad news. That's not what it says. Meshivin ala kalkala means return on a curse. That's the word means. The words mean, Meshivin Allah return on a curse. From here we learn, you don't return on a curse. Chazal tell us, what does it mean? It means, when there are bad things, you don't speak about them all the time. Okay? When things are problematic, shh. Shh. That's what he's saying. No, no, no deal with it for sure. But to talk about it and huck about it and speak about it for the sake of talking about it and fetching about it, that's not a Jewish value. You hear that? It's a, it's a fundamental. It's a fundamental. Spiritual maturity. Hatach is Daniel. He sees there's a difficult thing. He's not prepared to speak about it. Right? What can he do about it? I don't know. But surely it's a system that's in place that needs to be changed, needs to be broken in some way. He refuses. May shivin al to not go. Says the Ben Yehoyada. He says that the truth is that... Um, Daniel Asahit Natslut Latsmo. He did it on his own. He was acting Lifnim Mishurat Hadin, beyond the letter of the law. Now we know about this concept of Lifnim Mishurat Hadin, on like, you know, money, you know, you return money, you do all these things. Lifnim Mishurat Hadin also means, in this, in this case, where he says, I don't want to be involved in this type of negative sentiment. Negative sentiment is not a space for a spiritual, mature person. Hamei Vinyavi. Okay? Can understand what I'm talking about? On verse number 12. Okay. It's very important for us. Say again. Hatach, because it says that he, he was, he was, Hatach uh, means to cut. So he was cut off from his high position to much lower position. Okay. So, says the Gomorrah. That the Gomorrah says. There's a whole, a whole spill about how they got that at Daniel. I don't want to, I can't go into that. Okay. So, the Gomorrah, the, the, I want to carry on in the Megillah. The Megillah now goes into, in, go into now I'm jumping, to chapter 5. And in chapter 5... <coughs> it, I don't know if told them. Who told... Oh, who told... It doesn't make... It's, it seems to be it's her servants. She sent other people. But, yeah, but the point is that it's not Hatach. The point is Hatach is teaching us a lesson. Embedded in this Megillah is a lesson. It's amazing. It's an ama- I think it's an amazing lesson. We don't keep talking about negative things. Because negative things destroy. They don't build. You know, there was a... There, somebody told me that... We have, we have a concept. We have a concept. It's you don't open your mouth to the Satan. So somebody told me that there... Um, and I was just thinking, my Baba used to do the same. She never complained. This family has a... Has a, has a a thing that they never complain. Never, ever. Altif Tachpela Satan. You don't open your mouth to the Satan. So it's, 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 there's a certain level of spiritual maturity that, uh, that we can aim for in many things. Okay. Says, I want to carry on. The Megillah, carry on. The Megillah tells us about Mordechai. If you look in Tetvav, no, sorry, in the Gomorrah in Tetvav, sorry, in Megillah 5.13. The Megillah, chapter 5, verse 13. What's the story? Esther said, 
Esther says, I want to have a party and I want you and Aman at the party. Right? It's quite amazing. Can you imagine? Aman, the second to the king, is being invited by the, um, um, by, by the queen. And what does he say? So if you see there on page 1257, it's fantastic. He says, that day Haman went out joyful and exuberant, but when Haman noticed Mordechai in the king's gate, that he didn't stood up nor stirred before him, Haman was infuriated. Haman restrained himself, went home, and he sent for his friends and his wife, and Haman told them about how, how all of his wealth and his sons and every instance where the king had promoted him. Haman said, moreover, Queen Esther invited no one but myself to accompany the king to the banquet, and she prepared, and tomorrow time I'm invited to her along with the king, and all this means nothing to me as long as I see that Jew Mordechai sitting at the king's gate. Why? Why? Why, if you've got everything, does it bother you that the Jew sits at the king's gate? Why would it bother him so much? For what? He can do anything he wants. Like this, he can kill anybody. He's the most powerful person in the kingdom. Next to the king who's a buffoon, by the way. Haman's brilliant and the king's an idiot. That's clear. You know, you kill your wife because she doesn't want to come to you because the, they advise you to kill your wife. Have you realized that they advise you to kill your wife so you'd wipe out the generations of Nebuchadnezzar? I mean, it's like, it's like use a bit of brain. Because it's power and you want to put someone else down. Okay. So listen to this. Yes. What does he represent? So we see, so leave the Jews out of it for the moment. He didn't say the Jews. He said Mordechai. There's something about Mordechai. So we have to remember, the Purim story is, say again? Yeah, you're Mordechai, Yehudi, but it's Mordechai. It's not about the Yehudim. Is that all there is? Why wouldn't Mordechai bow down to him? So you'll tell me because he had a little idol around his neck and the whole story, right? But how did he stand up? Where do you get that from? Where, did, where, does, where does a person get the, the strength to do that despite everybody? Because there's a history. There's history. You see Mordechai and Aman at this point in time. What happened before? Okay, that none of us know. So the Gomorrah fills in some of the points. And the Gomorrah says the following. Rav Chista said the following. Mordechai came with the heritage of a rich man. And Haman came with the heritage of a poor man. Because Mordechai was a wealthy man and he had once owned a whole bunch of slaves. Because slaves come from poor families who are sold into slavery so they'll have something. Who was one of those slaves? The Gomorrah says one of them was slaves. And he was known. Sorry, one of them was Haman. And Haman was known. And now you can understand where Haman comes from. Haman was known as the slave who was sold for a loaf of bread. His fam, we know this. This is what happens in the world. You know, you can, even now in, in India, you have these, these little girls. Okay, I'll get there. These little girls are sold because their parents need money. So they're sold into like uh, human trafficking for nothing, for a loaf of bread. Here is this man, Haman, who is sold into slavery of a loaf of bread. Mordechai frees him. Right? Becomes an adult. He frees him. But can you imagine... 
the man who was my slave master, I'm now become a very powerful person. And obviously he had this desire to become for power because he was a slave and he worked himself and he worked and worked and worked himself into the kingdom. And now the one man that won't bow down to me, every time I see him, what do I see? That loaf of bread that my parents bought. Well, my parents took for me. It's he freed all these slaves. Mordechai is not a slave owner. He's a man. So you understand that. There's a whole battle between Mor- the, the, the heritage of Mordechai and Haman. We'll see that a little bit later, what happens. A little bit later. Because what else happens to Haman is Haman also doesn't just become a free slave. He starts, he grows up into something else. We'll see. So, that's one case. Then the Megiddo tells us the great story that we know of. In chapter 6. The king, it's night time. The king is lying in his bed. And what happens? You all know? The king cannot sleep. Why can the king not sleep? As we told you before, you know, like you, like my, Natalie always told me, I've got no thoughts. I have no problem sleeping. Right? Why does the king not sleep? What's he thinking about? Why is it happening now that the king is thinking? Why didn't it happen two weeks before? Yeah, very nice. Okay, what did Hashem plan? <laughs> What's happened? He would remember when... What? What do you remember? Someone helped him. No, no, that's going to happen that he's going to remember someone helped him. The question is, why is that the thing that he's going to remember? So the Gomorrah says the following. That... Um, he thought to himself, the Gomorrah says the following. A thought occurred to him. How come we have this party and the only people that are invited to the party are me and Aman? How's that for a low self-esteem? I'm the king of the world, 127 provinces, and my wife invites me and the second and my second to a party. Only us. It's the three of them. So maybe, maybe the reason why she wants to have a private party between the three of us is that they privately can poison me and kill me. Okay? How's this going on in the, heads of the guy's mind? So he said, if that's the case, if even my wife, the one who I think is my favorite, doesn't love me, then nobody loves me in the kingdom. Surely there must be one person, says the Gomorrah, Right? Who has done a favor for me, okay, and I haven't yet rewarded him. And since I haven't rewarded him, nobody cares about doing anything for me because they know that whatever, whatever they do for me will never get rewarded. Got it? Now you can begin to understand why he does what he does. So what do you do? They bring him the book and he reads the book and he finds what? That there's one man who did a favor for him. Who's the man? Mordechai. Do you think he doesn't know Mordechai's guys and bow down to Haman? Mordechai is the man who's done the story. And what does he say? As he says this, Haman walks in and he asks Haman, what would you do? Can you imagine this? The guy does you a favor and you just completely give him all the covet in the world. Why is he giving him all the covet in the world? To ride on his horse. We have to explain that horse. We'll see that in the next tomorrow. Why do you give him all the cover in the world? Because you want everybody to see. Just give him a hundred thousand rand, a million rand, whatever. Put him in a palace somewhere. Why do you have to ride through the streets? Right? Haman suggested this for himself. 
Oh, how grateful he is. How grateful he is that if you help me, right? Look what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you such incredible cover. It'll be amazing. So, if you know anything about what's going on between Haman and Esther, you'll let me know. Okay? That's what, that's what, that's what happens here. That's what the story is all about. So, he does that. And we know what happens. Then the king says to Haman, go and do everything. So it says that Haman took everything. He took all the clothing and the horse. And he finds Mordechai sitting in the base medrash. How's that, eh? That's a proper Jew. With all the stuff going on, he's sitting and learning Daf Yomi. Okay. So he finds him sitting in the base medrash. And what is he doing? He's teaching. What do you think? What would we be doing? The Jewish people is about to be destroyed. Okay? Right? What would we be doing in the Beit Midrash? Saying to Hillel. Okay? What is Mordechai doing? He's learning about the dinim of Tara. So interesting. Sim, sim, almost. Very good. Says the Gemara. Very good. Do you learn know this Gemara? Yes, of course. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just doing Chazorah. Okay? He's teaching them the most strange halacha. The halacha of kemitzah. Kemitzah is where you take a certain amount of flour for the Beit HaMikdash, for the Korbanot, and you have a certain measurement, and then you put it into as part of the Mincha offering. It's part of a certain type of Korban. Why would Mordechai be teaching the halachas of Korbanot? Because he believes not in the Beit Hamidrash, he believes that 70 years after the destruction of the Beit Hamidrash, there will be a new one. So even though there's a decree of the destruction of the Jewish people, there's going to be a new Beit Hamidrash. Therefore, we'll learn halachas of, of the of Kamitza. And what happens? Okay. Mordechai sees Haman, and the Gemara says, Mordechai sees Haman with the horse in his hand and he gets terrified now he's terrified previously he wasn't terrified he was just upset now he's terrified why is he terrified so the ben yada wants to understand why the gemara says that he saw him with the with the with the with the, with the, the horse in his hand and he says because what happens is that the way it worked was 70 uh, you had 70 days as like a um like a stage. What's a stage? Like probation. When you became the second to the king, you had 70 days. And during those 70 days, you had to prove yourself that you were worthy of being second to the king. And after those 70 days, then you got like, like um, Yosef got that ring, the king's ring. And what you could do with the king's ring, you could do whatever you wanted. Okay? The symbol of that in Pras and Madai was that you rode the king's horse. Mordechai sees Haman with the king's horse, and for the first time, he has deep terror. Because if, if Haman now has the king's horse, then he can actually do what he wants to do. Okay? That's important. So Mordechai wrapped him, and then it says, Mordechai wrapped himself in his talus, and he davened. And the most amazing thing that Gomorrah points out is what? He's davening Haman, for Mordechai, let's say. And Haman waits for him to finish his davening. 
and all of a sudden, Mordechai is davening, you know, like, you know, davening, he's looking on the side, he just doesn't do anything. He's waiting for me to finish my davening. There must be something that is not expected. Ah, oh, so, while he's busy davening, Haman says to that guy, ask him, what are you learning? And he says, we're learning about the, 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 the fine flour. And he says, um, your handful of fine flour has come and cast aside my 10,000 pieces of silver. The fact is that you were learning about this shows your hope, your, um, your, uh, your ability to withstand anything, and therefore my 10,000 pieces of silver, which I bought the Jewish people, is, no longer, is, is now defunct. Haman realized already at that point in time that it wasn't going to happen. Didn't know how it's going to play itself out. He knew it was going to happen. And then I want to just, just, just uh, read this other story because it's a nice story. Haman says to Mordechai, Okay, you finished davening, let's get on with it. I want to put these clothes on you and I want you to ride the horse. Imagine what Mordechai feels, a little bit of a relief. So Mordechai says to him, I can't do it. Why can't I do it? It was not appropriate for me to come from a space of sackcloth and mourning and to ride in the, and to wear the king's clothes. Right? I need to have a bath. Okay, now they didn't have showers in those days. I've been to bathhouses. So let's go to the bathhouse and go and cut my hair. Now, there's a whole plot happening. In the meantime, says the Gemara, Esther sent messengers and closed all the bathhouses and all the shops of all the craftsmen. No one was busy at all. It was a public holiday. Haman saw there's no one. What does he do? He took Mordechai into the bathhouse and washed him. And he got scissors and he trimmed his hair. And while he was trimming his hair, he injured himself. What's so good at that? And he sighed. Mordechai said to him, why are you sighing? Haman said to him, the man whom the king once regarded above all his other ministers is now made into a bathhouse attendant and a barber. Mordechai said to him, now listen carefully. This is why he hates Mordechai. Wicked man, were you not once the barber of the village of Khartoum? I know where you come from, buddy. Don't think that you're just such a big hero. Nobody knows where you come from. You were a barber. What's a barber? A barber is like the lowest of the low. I mean, maybe not today. The hairdressers are very expensive. Right? But in those days, a barber, you know, couldn't do anything. You had not, you did, all you did, you cut people's hair. That's what you did. There was no, there was no skill in it. You just cut the hair. So I know who you come from. And you weren't a barber in the city of, um, of Shushan. You were a barber in some small little village of Khartoum. As it says, Haman was the barber in the village of Khartoum for 22 years, says the Gemara. Mordechai knows who this man is. Mordechai seems to be the only man who knows the history of Haman. And because Mordechai knows the history of Haman, he was his slave, he's a free slave, he was a barber for 22 years, and somehow he schmuckled himself into the kingdom, Mordechai refused to bow to him. Because he knows he's a nothing. Therefore, it's about Mordechai Haman. This story is not about the Jews. It's about what Mordechai represents, the Jews. And Haman who represents this lowly person that is able to elevate themselves through Siyata Deshmaya into the highest level of, of, uh, of power. Now that, by the way, is exactly the story of Hitler. Hitler was also, he's a little schmuck from Austria. Right? He was a newspaper guy, I think, a journalist. He was a nothing. But HaKadosh Baruch who orchestrates the world that sometimes even the lowest of the low get the ability to become the most powerful of the most powerful. Our fillers that we have to ask is that that happens to us and not to our enemies. Have a beautiful Shabbos and a beautiful day.